This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I wasn't around so much last week, so there were a couple of topics that we didn't have a chance to finish up from last week. We have a little bit more time this evening, so we'll finish up from last week. We were talking about a question last week of what happens when science and halacha become in conflict. We mentioned the Gemara says that there's no iser to kill a kina, louse. There's no iser to kill lice on Shabbos because they don't paravarava, they don't reproduce. At that time in the Gemara, the assumption was that lice do not reproduce. There's no eggs, there's no uh, reproducing the way other animals reproduce. And they just come from dirt, from manure. And therefore the Gemara felt that it's not similar to other things that are learned into the Mishkan. And therefore the Gemara said there's no iser to kill lice on Shabbos. And it's recorded like that in Shulchan Aruch. The problem was, already in the 18th century, they already realized that this is not so. And they realized that really they do reproduce. It's very hard to see it. It's very small. But they do reproduce with an egg like all other animals. So the question is, does the halacha change? Do we have the right to say Chazal got it wrong? How do we deal with such a dilemma? So we mentioned last time from Yitzhak Lamparti, Dr. Rabbi Yitzhak Lamparti, one of the great Italian doctors and Rabbonim of the end of the 18th century, where he discusses this Shiloh with his Rebbe, Rabbi Braille, and his Rebbe says, no, halacha doesn't budge. If Chazal said, you're allowed to kill lice in Shabbos, you're allowed to kill lice in Shabbos. Aye, we know it's misunderstood. Doesn't matter. Okay, maybe we'll get to that in a second. No, is it Pshat nature change or we just got it wrong the whole time? We'll get to that, maybe. So Rabbi Yitzhak Lamparti writes, he says, my Rebbe says, no, the halacha doesn't change. If Chazal said you're allowed to kill lice on Shabbos, you're allowed to kill lice on Shabbos. So Rabbi Yitzhak Lamparti in his famous classical Sefer, Pachat Yitzchak, he says, I disagree. I say if the science changes, we roll with the times. We're an evolving people, says Rabbi Yitzhak Lamparti. This is the end of the 1700s. Here he's going to Chumrah, correct. Here he's going to Chumrah and saying that you cannot kill lice on Shabbos. Because since we now know that the lice do actually produce, they are part of the Rava. We have no right to allow you to kill lice on chaps. And that was in the 1700s. What happened onwards in history? So the most classical answer was Rav Shalim Azam Orbach. Rav Orbach said, Avada, we now know that lice reproduce with eggs and all other ways of reproducing. But it's not nicker to the eye. So when the Gemara said that lice are not part of the Rava, the Gemara meant in a way that most people can see it. And therefore, it's not a stira, says Rav Shalim Avad the Gemara maybe even meant back then we knew that the lice were actively being were part of a rov. Just it's not nicker to the eye. And since it's not nicker to the eye, the Gemara doesn't consider it part of a rov. And therefore, says Rishon Mazam, when we stick with the way it was, we stick with the Shulchan Aruch, and you're allowed to kill lice on Shabbos. Reb Nevinsal, he wants to say maybe there are two different types of species called lice. Maybe the lice in the Gemara Taka were not part of a rov, and the lice today are part of a rov. And the third option is like Motcha suggested that maybe there was a Nishtan HaTeva. Maybe the times of the Gemara, they were not producing, reproducing, and today they are. So this is a dilemma. Now, Rebbe Liashiv actually goes the Chumrah like Rebbe Yitzhak Lamparti. 
And, if you, and Rabbi Yashif Paskind, you're not allowed to kill lice on Shabbos. Says Rabbi Yashif, since maybe we, either the Teva changed, or we got the science wrong, or however you want to say it, Rabbi Yashif was machmed that you should not go around killing lice on Shabbos for this reason. However, his son-in-law, Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, Paskins, that it is 100% to kill, mutter to kill lice on Shabbos. So this is an ongoing Shailah in contemporary Paiskim. Now that we know the science is no longer the way it was in the times of the Gemara, what do we do with that newfound information? Now the truth is it goes into a couple of areas in halacha as well. For example, there's halacha in Shulchan Aruch, in Shin Lam Edvav, in Halacha Shabbos, Shin Lam Edvav Siv Gimel, which is actually very negea this time of the year. One of the 39 halachas is Zereya. Zereya means anything that causes grass to grow. And very often in the summer, people have outdoor kedushim, outdoor picnics on Shabbos. They don't realize by mistake, they knock over the water and they cause the grass to grow. So the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that you're not allowed to wash your hands outside on Shabbos, because it's a sick ratio that the grass is going to grow. You're going to pour the water to wash your hands. You're automatically causing the grass to grow, so it's a sick ratio, which is us. Then the Ramah takes it a step further. The Ramah says you shouldn't have any eating outside. Because what's going to happen? You're going to have stuff on the table by accident. You'll spill the water. You'll spill something, and it's better to stay off the grass and have on the pavement. This is the gay in camps and bungalow colonies and the things like that. But the Mechabi writes, but you're allowed to go to the bathroom on the grass. Person wants to urinate on the grass, that's permissible on Shabbos. Why? That will not cause the grass to grow. That actually will, the acid in the urine will actually destroy the grass and it's mutter on Shabbos. So writes the Mechab and Shochanach. Comes along the Berloch and quotes from the Tveris Yisrael. And the Tveris Yisrael says, not so fast. The Chachme Akanamiya. The experts of agriculture said actually that urine is very helpful for the ground. It's not detrimental like we originally thought. It's, it's actually fertilizer. It works very well. <laughs> so says the Berloch, what happens now? Do we change the halacha? Now again, obviously this is not something again, most of us are not urinating on the grass, but you know, Tashayla. So the Berloch says, even though now we know that it is actually very helpful for the grass, ha'ilam loy nogim, the velt is not noyik to be machme. Even though now we know the science is otherwise. Now we know the science shows that these things are very helpful for the ground. So again, this is another example of where science sheds light on halacha, and yet for some reason we're not changing the halachic status. A third area where this comes up is also in Hilcha Shabbos, and this is Negea 2, a din in Hilchas Milo. It used to be in the times of the Gemara that a baby needed to be bathed in warm water on the day of his Milo, and it needed to be, and if he was not bathed in that water, it was partially dangerous to the baby's life. So the Shulchan Aruch records in Simon Shin Laman Aleph, the Shulchan Aruch says that's no longer the case. The Machabi writes, today, babies don't need hot water baths in order to survive. He says, Bizman in the times of the Gemara, if you do not give the baby a, a bath, before Mila, post Mila, and the third day of the Mila. Says the Machaber, it was dangerous. But today that's not the case. Therefore, there's no Allah justification to boil up hot water with Tzarek the baby. He's not Tzakon anymore. So even though the times of the Gemara, this was a dead, this was a given. The times of the Gemara, hot water was a given. Babies needed to be bathed in hot water. Says the Mishtabur, Nishtana Teva. Science has evolved. And this is not so much science. This just might be our hygiene got better. And now we are able to handle much more. We don't need this, this washing. Therefore, this washing is not justified on Shabbos. Throughout history, there have been Rabbanim who have uh, tried to debate this notion and said that no. What did they do for hot water? So they used to boil it before Shabbos. And somehow they'd keep it warm. But if they couldn't, they would ask a guy. They'd even boil it themselves if they needed to. Because they helped. Themselves? Make a fire? It's a sakana. The baby's going to die. The baby's going to die. 
So there has always been tumult over the last two, three hundred years in the Paiskim about whether or not we should bring back the way it was in the times of the Gemara. But generally speaking, the Paiskim stuck to their guns and they said, no, the Matthias is the way the Matthias is, that we today, the babies don't need, I don't, know if, I don't know if there's any pediatrician in the world that says the babies need to be bathed day, the day before, the day after, and the third day of the meal. So therefore, this halacha also becomes no longer applicable. So here, this wasn't that we got the science wrong. This was that science evolved. Science changed. Not that science changed, but our bodies changed. The surrounding around us changed. Our uh, hygiene got better. And therefore, because of those reasons, this, this bathing is no longer necessary. Another big hot topic that Pais can talk about is that we know one of the processes is that the bismillah is the chaticha. They cut the... They first they do priya. They pull up the foreskin, then they cut it, and they do mitzitzah. So we know mitzitzah is a part of the milah to the point where the Gemara says, Rebbe loves the milah. If the moil doesn't do a good mitzitzah, you have to fire him. There's a whole discussion about what exactly is the role of mitzitzah. Is it medicinal? Is it halachic? A very long discussion. Um, I have sure online you can listen if you want to hear more about mitzitzah bepeh. Very controversial topic throughout history. There have always been times where it's always been a debate. Should we do it? Should we not do it? Bepeh? Should we use a kli? Things like that. But many people make the argument today that it's not necessary for the medicinal treatment anymore. The goyim are gemalt in the, in the hospitals. No, none of them are doing mitzitzah bepeh. No, not one surgeon is putting his mouth on the baby and suctioning out the blood. And they're all surviving. Terry says, the Gemara said it's dangerous, so we trust the Gemara and we do it. The question is, why are we allowed to violate the Shabbos? That's a, that's a Malach on Shabbos, the Gemara says, to suction out the blood. Why are we allowed to do that if the science no longer backs that up? So the answer is going to be that we follow what it says in Shulchan Aruch, whether or not it's backed up by the contemporary science or not. So these are some of these examples of these types of issues of where when science and medicine present a little bit of a question of how we deal with Halach. I want to talk about another shout that actually came up last week. My wife's grandmother has an aide, a lovely lady. She's a great aide. She's very good to my grandmother. My grandmother likes her. She itself is a Chiddush Gadol. Um, and she got sick. And she was in the hospital. And she asked me if I'll pray for her. She asked me if I'll pray for her. So this is a common occurrence. Very often you'll have co-workers that you work with that are not Jewish. And they'll ask you to pray for them. Or you'll want to pray for them. You'll see they're going through um, some ailment or illness and you want to pray for them because you feel bad. You want them to survive. I've gotten the shayla in the past from different people. They have business partners or people they do business with that are very sick and they want them to live for their own investment, for their own reasons, not because you, know, you care that much. This shayla became very more, very more popular when Donald Trump got COVID. If you remember, when our former president got COVID, so there was a big tumul about making a mishabeach for him. Because he got COVID, we weren't sure if he was going to live, that, and this, that, and the other. So this is all part of the Shiloh. Shiloh is A, is it permissible to daven for a guy? And B, if you daven for a guy, what, what do you go by? His mother's or his father's name? What name do you use if you're davening for a guy? Now, what's the downside? What could be wrong with davening for a guy? What, what could be so wrong? We're a pretty open religion. We don't, you know, uh, we don't, obviously we don't look to be Makarif people, but we're not against. What would be the downside? There's an interesting Allah in Shulchan Aruch in Yerides and Kufn Ches. The Mechabah says it's usher to treat a guy who's dying. A doctor is not allowed to treat a guy. Then the Lashon of the Gemara and the Lashon of Shulchan Aruch is an Oivid Avoidazar. That's the Lashon. That's always very questionable. But the Lashon of the Shulchan Aruch in Yerides and Kufn Ches of Alf is that an Oivid Avoidazar, Asal Hatzilam. You're not even allowed to save a Oivid Avoidazar and you're not allowed to give him medicinal treatment, even Bishar. Even if you're a doctor, says the Mechaber, except Eva. Except there's going to be Eva. This is what Hatzalah deals with. Right? Very often Hatzalah gets called, and it's not a Jewish patient. They can't just walk away, because it's going to, there might be legal reasons as well, but they can't walk away, because it's going to be terrible Eva. The 
the people are going to, oh, the Jews don't care about themselves, they don't care about each other, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. So can you imagine what would happen if, a, if in Maimonides Hospital or a Booth Hospital, the doctor said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm only treating Jewish patients. It would be a disaster. It would never work. So the Shulchanach, you're allowed to treat a patient if there's going to be Ava. So many pais can assume that if I'm not allowed to treat a Goisha patient, I'm not allowed to daven for a Goisha patient. It should be the same. It should go at least hand in hand. Now, if there's no Eva, you're not permitted to daven for a Goisha patient also. The same way I'm not allowed to treat a Goisha patient. Now, the Knesset Zagadayla points out over there that we all know the Rambam was a doctor. Well-known information, the Rambam was a doctor. What a lot of people don't know about the Rambam's life, it's worth mentioning. Why did the Rambam become a doctor? Because his brother who was supporting him, died at, died at sea at work. A lot of people forget this part of the Rambam's life. It's fascinating. The Rambam was being supported by his brother. He had a very wealthy brother that supported him for the good bulk of his life, and his brother died at sea. While doing one of the, again, sea was very dangerous back then, and he lost his money and his family, and the Rambam had to get a job. The Rambam was pressed to find a job. And the Rambam took a big toll on the Rambam because he tried to help out his, his, brother, his brother's family, the widow. It was, it was a very emotional time for the Rambam. But that wasn't like the Rambam decided from the get-go, I want to be Dr. Rambam. He planned on learning full-time until his, it was uh, uncontrollable because his brother's business, Nebuch, sunk along with his, his life as well. So the kash is, I, how was the Rambam allowed to be a doctor? How did the Rambam treat everyone in Egypt? So what's the answer? So the answer, the Pasha, the answer is, Yishma'elim, and not Ebedevedezer. Believe it or not, Yishma'elim, Arabs are not even of a desert. They believe in one God. So therefore, the, the reason why the Rambam was allowed to treat everyone in Egypt was because they were not of a desert. So they bring a right from here that if the person is not an of a desert, you're allowed to daven for him. And you're allowed to treat him. So let's say, for example, an Arab, a Muslim comes in, you can treat him without a problem, even without Ava. You can daven for him. So if the person would be Muslim, you'd have no problem. There's a Muridik uh, um, Smag. Smag, I think, writes that the reason why the Rambam was the doctor in Egypt was because of Ava. Because how would it look if the Rambam became a doctor and didn't treat the entire Egyptian culture, which was, which was uh, Muslim? So people ask, what do you mean? Why do you have to say Eva? Why don't you say Pasha? Because Yishmaelim are not Arabs, are not Oivdevoidazar. So it's a starker Kasha. The Pasha says Yishmaelim are not considered Zar. So again, so if you have a worker who's an Arab, he's a Muslim, and he asks you to daven for him, so you have no problem. You can daven for him without a problem because he's not considered an Oivdevoidazar. Okay, so they're not good people. Don't get me wrong. The, the guy that you're davening for probably is not going to do jihad. I hope. But he's not a dessert. Now, um, so that's great. But the, the aid that takes care of my, grand, my wife's grandmother who asked me to pray for her, she's not Muslim. So what happens if she's not Christian either as far as I know? Maybe we can get clarity what religion she does keep. What about Christians? Christians are the more a predominant religion that you'll come across in, in, in your life. What about Christians? So we know there's a famous Ramah the Ramah writes that Ben Noyach, a Goy, is not Muzar ala Shitov. What does Shitov mean? Shitov means partnership. So most of the, the Christians believe in a partnership. They believe in, in the, uh, a group. There's a, there's a three-person party of, of God. There's God, Yashka, and the, the other part, whatever. So therefore, that, the Ramah says, is not considered a Vaidazar. So therefore, says the Achreinim, Rabbi Vaj has a whole tshuva on this. The last tshuva in Yechavadas, Chavadas was written from Avadia's radio shows. He used to go on the radio and he used to talk. It's very different than Yabi Oimer. If you ever read Yabi Oimer, Yabi Oimer, the truth is much lengthier. He would never be able to say that on the radio. People would get lost halfway through. Chavadas is much more condensed truths. So the truth that he's talking about is a shayla that happens a lot in Nebuch. We have a ger. You have a ger tzedek, and he becomes Jewish, but his parents are not Jewish, and his parents get sick. And the ger wants to know is he allowed to daven for his parents? 
They're his parents. He still cares about them. So Ravaji says, well, if they're Arabs, no problem. What about if they're Christians? He says, if they're Christians, they're also no problems. Why? Because we hold like the Ramah, even though the Ramah holds not like that, we hold like the Ramah, that Noitzim are only considered Shitov, and Shitov is not a problem for a Ben Noich. Now, the problem that I have is that I don't believe my wife's aid is a Christian, or I think she might be uh, a real Oiv of Oidazar. She comes from Guyana. So in that country, I have my, my, my babysitter also comes from the same country. So I was doing a little research this week because I was talking to her about the people in that country. So I said, how, much, how, many people are, how many people are Christian there? How many people are Muslim? How many people are Oiv of So my babysitter, she was telling me, she's a mamish, a real Oiv She goes up every morning before she comes to watch my kid. Lovely. She bows down to a getchkola. Mamish, a real getchkola she has. And I said, where do you buy them? She tells me you can get them in the store over here. There's big ones, small ones, different prices. I was mamish in the spa. Who's so foolish today to still bow down to an Avedazar? I felt like I'm Avinu almost, like, you know, in the times of the Chumash. Listen to this lady talk. She's like, yeah, I got a big getchka, small stuff. It's ridiculous. But there's a whole country like that. India, most of India is full of Avedazar. It's, it's amazing. These are such intelligent people, and you're wondering why they're banging down to, to nothing. Okay. The head of a Rick, okay. The Chinese, right? So these countries, there's a lot of Oiv Dei So she's grabbing Oiv Dei which is why I don't have any yain in my house. That's not Mavoshal. Because she's a Gezunta Oiv Dei It's not even a Shaila. She's a real Oiv Dei It's not even, a, not even a question. So, but I don't know about this lady, just because one lady in the country doesn't mean the whole country is Oiv Dei You don't serve Oiv Dei anymore with the yain? And a but she's still an Oiv Dei This lady is an Oiv Dei to the highest. I have no idea what she does with Oiv I don't want to get too many questions. My kids were around. I didn't think it was a good time for a lesson to hear exactly what they do. But she's not a real Oiv Dei It's a spa to hear it. Yeah, we're living in the world 2020. We think everyone got smarter. Apparently, apparently not. But in any case, so what do you do with someone who's an Oiv She's an Oiv Dei Let's say. That worships the idol. What do you do then? So there are truths that were written, and again, in the 18th century. Yitzhak Atiyah. Yitzhak Atiyah lived at the end of the 1800s. He died... He, lived, he was born at the end of the 18th century, I'm sorry. He died in 1830. So he writes a tshuva, he has a tshuva called Roiv Dagon. And he writes over there that if the guy is from the Hasidic Umar Sa'ilam, of the righteous of the Gentiles, so then you're allowed to daven for them. Now what does it mean to be righteous of the Gentiles? It means you keep Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. Okay? Now we discuss this in many other settings, that people have a misunderstanding of what does it mean to be a righteous amongst the Gentiles. Everyone thinks who's righteous amongst the Gentiles? Asker Shindler. He's like the epitome of righteous amongst the Gentiles because he saved Jews during the Holocaust. According to Chazal's definition, he's not righteous amongst the Gentiles. He's a wonderful person for saving Jews, but he didn't exactly live a very moral life. According to the Rambam, Kipshuta, you have to keep Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, Mishum Kach Tziva Moshe Rabbein. You have to keep Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, not because you find them morally correct, but you believe that that was commanded by God. So if you're being an Ayyad of Ayyad that already knocks you out of, of the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. So that's, uh, that's problem number one. Then he says, if you don't know if she, if you don't know if they're Oyvid Oyvidzara, so instead of davening that they should get better, you should daven that they should do tshuva. And he quotes the famous Gemara with Rav Meir and his wife Beria, where Rav Meir used to have a bunch of non-religious Jews in his neighborhood that used to make his life miserable. So he used to daven that they should die. And his wife Beria pointed out, not so fast. Don't daven that they should die. Daven, right? You should daven that they should do tshuva. Right? We spoke about this a few weeks ago. Beria's wife, how her, how she ended off. According to Rashi and Avodah she ended up committing suicide. So I asked the question to Shneir Lyman, and he says he doesn't think that that's uh, the accepted historical approach that she committed suicide. We quoted a Rashi, if everyone remembers, when we spoke about Rameer's life, we mentioned that his wife Buria, although she's so great and they named the high school after her in New Jersey, according to Rashi and Avodah she committed suicide. So Rashi says in Avodah But the historians don't believe that that's the case because it's hard to imagine such a great woman would do such a uh, not great thing. But in any case... 
That's what he writes in his tshuva. Reb Chaim Pilat. Oh, I'm going to come back to that in a second. That's going to be good for the government, not for an individual. So now, what about um, so Reb Chaim Pilat G. Paskins? That if you have a guy who is a shutter for you in business, and you have what to gain by him living, it's mutter 100% to daven fit. And there's a tshuva from the Beis Army. If you remember, we quoted the Beis Army. Reb Amram Blom. He was a Hungarian. Not, not, not a Svar the Shah, Hungarian, where he also paskins that it is 100% mutter to daven for Choylim, even if they're not Jewish, even if they perhaps you don't know if they're Evid Avoy or not. And they bring funny riots. One of the riots they bring is that Avram Avinu daven for Avimelech to get better. That's a very funny riot for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was before Matan Torah. Secondly, that would be pretty big Eva if Avram Avinu didn't daven for Avimelech. If I don't daven for my wife's aid, grandmother's aid to get better, I can't imagine there's going to be big Eva. First of all, she has no idea if I'm doing it or not. And on the side note, I actually forgot to daven for her. I feel bad. Hopefully she's doing better. She asked me to daven for her, and I said I was going to do it. Then I said I was going to give a share in it. Then I ended up forgetting to daven for her. Hopefully she's doing better. She's better. Okay, in any case, but you know, the next time we'll talk about davening for the president and davening what name you use, and then uh, we'll talk about some other controversial things as well.